This episode is sponsored by Trinity HPSI, a national purchasing group offering substantial discounts for ACA camps. There is no cost to join the group, no membership dues or fees to keep your membership, and no obligation to use your membership after joining. You decide which agreements are beneficial to you and use them at your discretion. Trinity HPSI has been serving camps since 2005 and collectively saves ACA members millions every year. Give them a call for a free cost comparison or to join America's largest purchasing group dedicated to helping camps. Welcome to Camp Wire. My name is Lauren McMillan. I'm the Public Relations and Communications Manager here at ACA. And today we have a very special podcast. We have Rich Lowry of Trinity HPSI, which is the group purchasing organization partner of ACA or the GPO partner for ACA. And he's here with a couple of guests to talk about the food supply chain issues and looking at strategies for camps as we prepare for the summer camp season in 2022. Rich Lowry is the Director of Outreach and Communications for Trinity HPSI, as I said, the GPO partner of the ACA. Rich started in camping in 1999 as a cowboy on a 1,200-acre ranch and youth camp in Tennessee and was promoted to the head cowboy slash horse trainer in 2001. He later spent 16 years in the law enforcement profession and graduated with honors as a two-time top graduate of the Tennessee Law Enforcement Training Academy and the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department Training Academy. Rich earned multiple commendations and awards and held the rank of sergeant until he was medically retired due to an injury sustained in the line of duty. Rich joined the team at Trinity HPSI in 2018 as a manager of outreach and member services and was later named the director of outreach and communications. He coordinates all marketing and outreach efforts at Trinity HPSI and heads collaborative outreach efforts with associated vendor partner programs. Rich graduated summa cum laude from Liberty University with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a minor in business. He also holds an associate degree in interdisciplinary studies from Liberty, as well as certification in critical infrastructure protection through Texas A&M Extension Services. Welcome, Rich. Thanks, Lauren. I appreciate that. It's good to be here with you today. And uh, I certainly appreciate this opportunity um, and partnership with the ACA. You know, this kind of all started uh, with, with COVID and there were so many unknown things, especially in the camping industry. And as, as we all went through this together, um, and I think most of the ACA staff can attest to this too, one of the number one concerns that um, and questions that we got from camps is they were trying to navigate the waters with whether they were going to open and whether they were going to be able to get their goods and supplies was um, the issue, uh, the supply chain issue specific to food service. As we worked uh, with the ASA at different conferences, this, this has come about um, through a process, if you will, over, over the term uh, from really the beginning of COVID and on through the last couple of years. Um, so um, in, in coordination with that, we were able to pull together kind of a rock star team here from one of our vendor partners uh, to kind of help address this issue. And what we're, what we're hoping to do is we want to empower camps to be able to have or feel like they have some sort of control and maybe a better understanding of how to navigate these waters as the supply chain crisis is still 
uh, as we know, is, is ongoing. So one of, uh, I'd like to go ahead and, uh, and introduce um, our guests, and that is Nick uh, Krethop and Victoria Gardner, both with um, Cisco. Nick, uh, you want to say a word about yourself there and your role at Cisco, and then we'll let Victoria do the same. Sure, I sure can. Yeah, so uh, my role at Cisco is I'm the uh, corporate uh, VP of um, sales and marketing for our healthcare, long-term care, acute care, senior living, uh, government uh, segments uh, for the organization. I've been with Cisco for almost 30 years and uh, reside in Houston and uh, have a great team that works with me. And one of those team members today that's with us is Victoria Gardner. Hi, everyone. I'm Victoria Gardner. I'm a vice president of national accounts with Cisco Corporate based out of the Houston, Texas area. I have been with Cisco for almost 19 years, uh, working uh, with the healthcare senior living segment, uh, also including uh, education and camps as well. Uh, I am the uh, corporate contact for the HPSI relationship. And so uh, in turn, I do a lot of business and work with, with Trinity and, um, and with the uh, camp business under HPSI. So uh, thank you very much for having me today. Looking forward absolutely. to the discussion. And, absolutely. Thank you both so much. And, and I can't wait to get into this. Um, so, and, and I kind of talked about this earlier when we were uh, putting this together. You know, we hear the term oftentimes supply chain, it's repeated um, in media and social media and in really even everyday conversation, these are conversations that that individuals who don't normally deal with this are having. So what, what I'd like to do before we dive into the discussion any further is I'd like to kind of talk about just a supply chain, kind of like a supply chain 101 review and just talk about what that is, because I think it's important for us to be able to define the terms. And a lot of this will come into play later as we get deeper into the discussion specific to food service. So, you know, a supply chain is really just a network between a company and its suppliers, and, and that helps them uh, transform um, raw materials into a usable product uh, for the end consumer. Nick, uh, I guess specific to supply chain there with Cisco, you guys, um, you know, there's so many different, if you will, links in that chain, whether it's logistics or planning, um, inventory, mining, where would Cisco best fit in or, or a food service distributor, where would they best fit in, in your opinion? Where would you put them at in that supply chain process? More on the logistics distribution is kind of what I'm seeing it rather than the production side. That's exactly right. And, you know, when you mentioned the, the links in the chain, I was going to say that uh, it truly is a it is truly is a chain. It starts with, you know, just the, the basic item and then how the suppliers process that item. And then how logistically that item gets to our warehouse and then how logistically we deliver it to your members of you know, the camps across the country. Pretty simple, but complicated at the same time because there's a lot of things that come into play. Um, food safety is the largest. Uh, pricing is important. You know, times of delivery is certainly crucial. And then, um, you know, just the ultimately you want to enjoy what you're eating. So there's a lot of complexities to the, to the food chain, the supply, supply chain of food uh, that sometimes pe people don't realize how complicated it is. 
right? And, you know, and, I, and I'd like to, to kind of add to that, you know, for our listeners today, a supply chain is not, it's not just one um, thing that every company taps into. It is, it can look differently for each company, depending on what industry they're in, what, and, and some, there could be some crossover between companies, but it really is, is that network that that company has, uh, is either involved with or built. Um, and so it can look differently across different industries. And um, I mean, there's a lot of things within that supply chain that can cause interruptions, whether it's uh, an interruption in a production of a specific you know, commodity or, or something else, as in we've seen with labor uh, restriction, government restrictions, whether uh, we saw some of that shutdowns cross border, um, where some industries were unable to get things from different countries that they were um, used to getting. So that's one of the, yeah, so that's one of the things um, with COVID that we saw specific outside of, you know, whether it could be a natural disaster or something that may cause an interruption. This was kind of a new thing or something that we have not experienced in a long time in this country, especially when it came to like restrictions at borders and things like that, that could, that could affect it as well. Did you, did you guys see any of that specific specifically to you all at the border or anything that came on with COVID that was kind of a surprise with, with the supply chain interruption? Well, it's interesting too. The supply chain can vary by product or by product category because um, things that affect the meat and poultry suppliers are different than what affects, you know, maybe uh, imported mandarin oranges that we get from overseas. So, uh, Rich, it really can vary by product and by, by product category. You mentioned the uh, overseas specifically. Um, yeah, that's certainly disrupted some of our uh, things like mandarin oranges, also of all things bottled water, uh, and then uh, some disposables like vinyl gloves, et cetera, and then seafood. We, we do import some seafood, you know, from suppliers that uphold the strictest of standards in terms of how uh, they raise their um, their seafood, but uh, those two or three categories have definitely been impacted by the uh, lack of ability to get products uh, off the barges and into the warehouses in California and, and other other coasts. Sure. Now it's interesting that you should mention that how it affects those different categories. So that kind of kind of highlights um, the the breadth of the issue with the supply chain crisis. I mean, it's not isolated to just one product. Have, have you seen, has that, I guess, the severity across those categories of products, have you seen that severity kind of remain constant through one particular category more than others, or has it just been um, sporadic? Are we constantly chasing having to put out fires that are popping, popping up, if you will? I would say it's across the board. Uh, and I will tell you, we get an email every day uh, noting some type of allocation or supplier shortage from all types of suppliers. I mean, right before the holidays, we found out that uh, Campbell's and uh, Heinz were going to quit making uh, food service cans of soup. Uh, I think Heinz is getting out of that business. Campbell's will be coming back, but they're still they're still not producing those items today. So your members, your customers, our customers have to look for alternatives. And those alternatives could be the smaller retail size, or they could be looking at buying frozen soup. So, uh, yeah, it, it affects everything. Uh, paper disposables have been greatly uh, had, you know, supply chain issues. Because what happened when COVID hit, when it first hit, 
everybody started using more paper and disposables and uh, goods that have to, you know, because the restaurants and everybody else were having having, uh, to-go items. And so they started using more containers and and kits and knives and forks more than they ever had before in the past. So that's, there's still that shortage. And there's, there's a shortage of trays for the K through 12, uh, uh, you know, segment. It's, it's, it's just, it's all encompassing. And it's really the, the key driver is, is a labor shortage. This, okay. you know, there's just not enough people to do the work. Right. And that, that has been across the board. And one thing I want to back up here as I was, I was going over previously what I had mentioned about um, interruptions in the supply chain, you know, whether it's a natural disaster, like some kind of hurricane that hit uh, or something. And I, and I may have mentioned a man-made disaster. And what I was referencing there too is, you know, um, as I mentioned in my bio, I have some critical infrastructure protection experience, you know, where if we had a, some kind of attack on a specific um, industry that could interrupt the supply chain. But with COVID, it, it um, you know, it was, it was one of those things that weren't necessarily on, on the radar, I guess. I guess maybe we didn't realize the severity of it. And as you talk about Campbell's and Hines making that decision in labor, do you feel like the, did either one of those producers um, provide a, a, is there one thing, was it labor that is a reason why, what was there, or did they give a reason why they were going to be stopping, uh, or ceasing the stopping the production of those food service canned suits? They both said it was labor, uh, labor. Both wow. specifically called out in their, uh, in their letter to us and to some of their larger customers, uh, that it was all about the labor and they just couldn't, they had to, they had to reduce SKUs and SKU production, and they, that's okay. one of the items they chose. I mean, I could real quickly, I'll tell you another story, um, and I won't say who the company is, but a, I have a friend that's a CEO of a, you know, a, of a manufacturer that we buy from, and he was telling me that um, you know, typically pre-COVID, they would run this one plant, two lines, 20 hours a day, five days a week. Uh, and that kept them at full capacity and full capacity to us. And now they're lucky if they can run the two lines 10 hours a day, maybe maybe five days, sometimes just four. So you can see that reduces their ability to spot us by 50%. Uh, right. it's, and it's all about the labor. Right. That's what we hear yeah, from everybody. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a uh, that seems to be the overriding theme, regardless of the industry, regardless of what link, if you will, in the supply chain that you're at, whether you're whether you're mining raw materials, whether you're producing poultry, whether you're, you know, packaging. And, that, and that's another thing, you know, we, you mentioned the poultry industry. There was a report um, that talked about the volatility of like grain commodities, hatchabilities um, is going to be. Um, is it historically low rates or is lagging historic rates, I should say, um, with an increased demand? I think there's a 30% plan um, as far as in, based on a survey that the average consumer is, there's sort of a 30% um, an increase to eat more chicken, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those, those it creates a perfect storm where you have the increases in demand, the decreases in supply. You know, another thing specific to uh, the poultry industries with their packaging was some of the resin derivatives um, from natural gas and oil. Um, It's the primary input for some of their plastic bags. Yeah. And uh, it 
even though uh, maybe late in the fall or first uh, fourth quarter of last year, the price in that resume have taken a, a dip, the industry expects the pricing on that specific resin to remain high as well. So there's so many things, and that's just one industry. You're talking about poultry alone. You can assume that across many other on the production side. Yeah, a lot of the juice producers are having a hard time getting enough plastic to produce their bottles um, and glass for that matter. So that's right. Cause it, that's they can get they can produce the juice they can't produce the they can't get enough containers and, and on the labor side of things specifically even if it's with logistics and labor kind of mixed together there with the trucking industry uh, they're predicting the shortage of anticipated or the anticipated shortage swelled to well over hundred thousand shortage in the trucking industry alone by twenty twenty three that's right. You know, there's there's people involved in every link. I guess that's the point I'm trying to, to hit here before we move on to some specific questions. The point I'm trying to hit here is there's labor, as you mentioned, is the number one issue, and it's involved in every link there. So everybody is yeah. experiencing that. Um, so as far as, and you mentioned this earlier, um, so food service distributors, is there an ability with some of those reports to be able to, I don't know about predict um, shortages for items from specific producers or manufacturers? Is there something that you all, you all get that can kind of help you know what you're going to be able to provide and, and to customers? Yes. Yeah, there is. And actually uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we are sharing a, a published document with you that shows what we, it's called a low inventory report, honestly, Rich. And it talks okay. about the suppliers and where they're, uh, they're currently in terms of uh, their shortages are and where they think they're going to have challenges. Uh, we, it's, it, Cisco is a pretty conservative company. We hate, we don't like to get into predictions and future predictions, but uh, you know, we don't see this changing dramatically right away, you know, until there's some resurgence of available employees, then it's going to continue. And this is, um, it's unfortunate. And uh, what, you know, so that, so the demand is there, there's not enough product. So thus we've got inflation and you guys are all seeing that, you know, inflation is double digits in many categories like meat and poultry and seafood disposables. Um, so, you know, we're trying to, and I, I don't know, maybe you want to get to it, but we're trying to work with our customers to offer solutions that help them and you know, make sure that, you know, they're driving their menus toward items that we're going to, we think we're going to have. Okay. So what, and that, that is, so what steps, I guess, more before we get to that interaction with the, sure. with the customer there, as far as like the, on the distribution side, are there steps? Is there anything that you can do or have tried to do to try to improve um, the distribution? If that's even a fair question, or maybe even, maybe even mitigate some of the effects that you guys can get at, get ahead of. So customers can get ahead of what, what steps could a distributor even take to try to mitigate that? I mean, is yeah, there other suppliers great. that you have to plug into the supply chain or. Yeah. I mean, we're working closely with our suppliers and we have great long-term suppliers. Um, so what we, you know, what they're in many cases doing is they are, they're eliminating SKUs. So if they, let's just use this as an example, if they had, hundred SKUs before they've narrowed it down to, you know, say 40 so that they can focus their labor on those 40 SKUs. And what we're doing is we're, we are actually, we, we have more inventory today than we did pre COVID. So we're actually bumping up our inventory so that we can serve our customers 
at least something and offer alternatives. So uh, that's the biggest step that we've done taken uh, since COVID hit. Okay, that's good. So with that being said, Nick, um, does the 2022 outlook look, um, how, how does that look, I guess, relative to 2021? I know we were still on the rebound and maybe COVID had us on the ropes more in 2021. Um, what does 2022, in your opinion, look like? Is it going to be eased any through some of these steps? Um, even producers and distributors are going to be able to, to take? You know, uh, Rich, I will say, I mean, again, we're a pretty conservative company and don't like to make too big of bold predictions. I, you know, honestly, I, I don't see it changing for the next six months. Uh, okay. There's just, there's no way you can ramp up enough uh, production to get caught up for as far behind as they are in servicing us. So. Right. Okay. So the demand is demand is is definitely there and increasing while the supply is kind of suffering still is what yeah. we can expect for the next six months. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's a fair enough, uh, fair enough answer there. Um, now, and, and I appreciate that. I think this moving into this next section, it'll kind of help camps understand from the distribution side of things, what you guys are experienced with producers, with suppliers, and maybe, you know, it, what camps can do to help mitigate or even even avoid, and that may be, like you said, a, a little too rich of a prediction, but, you know, in 2021, it was kind of a rough start for camps. You know, there were, it just depended on where you were at, what, what uh, your local governing agency uh, determined the jurisdiction, whether they could or couldn't have camps. So there were a lot of camps that ended up experiencing um, some surprises with their food orders as they were not cleared. Some of them were not even, didn't even know they were going to be able to have camp until, you know, well into the end of the first quarter and, and right. maybe even after that. So as they were trying to place orders with distributors, and of course you guys have to have to, you know, adjust your inventories based upon predictions. And a lot of the distributors, Correct. Um, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but oftentimes there were cases where the d- distributor couldn't serve the camp because they just didn't have the inventory. One, they didn't expect the camp to be open or didn't know they were going to be having that um, inventory that they needed to get out to camps because camps didn't know if they were going to be open. So that was some of the things in the camping industry specifically that, that they dealt with, which, you know, again, they're, they're trying, they're reaching out to us to try to help solve that issue. So, you know, one of the things that I think that I've learned through talking with you and some others in the industry, you know, open open a line of communication. I think that that's the first step is make sure you have that open line of communication with, with your vendor and specifically. Definitely. Is is those some of those those low inventory reports, even though they may not provide it, maybe they could to their to the customer. Is that something that you know would be um, common for or okay that a camp food service director or in coordination with their menu to say, Hey, what can I get that list? Or is there a way that I can know what you're going to have or not have it? And, yeah. and how far out in the future can they predict that? That's, I mean, honestly, like we talked, you said, we talked about, it. I mean, communication is the key at the local level with uh, the camps and their, their distribution representative. Uh, I think you can't give too much heads up in terms of uh, a runway of time to, to number one, like you said, let your distributor know that you're going to be open 
and what your predicted census is going to be, or, you know, that would be number one. And two, your menu items, you know, what are the key uh, drivers of the ingredients of your menu items? And so that we can offer alternatives, um, you know, and what we would do and, uh, you know, Rich is, and Victoria would help direct this from a national level is make sure they're taking advantage of the Trinity HBSI contracted items too. Um, now there's not going to be as many as there was pre COVID, but there's, there's still, a, you know, a, a, a good list to choose from. Now I will say probably you might have that item one week and then two weeks, you may not have it for a week or two. Uh, it's that dramatic as to what's going on with supplies to us every week. We want to ship it. I mean, if right. the suppliers get it to us, we're going to ship it because uh, that's right. what we're in the business to do. And if we're out, we're out because there was some unexpected uh, inventory movement that we weren't anticipating or the supplier, you know, didn't produce it. So, yeah, I think communication sooner the better and work with the distributor rep to have him look at your menu or y'all work together with the menu and pick out the right, you know, contracted items, especially on the key items, you know, the right. center of the plate and, uh, you know, things like French fries and paper and disposables right. and such. So. Right. And, and even, and maybe even take it a step further and maybe you, you were referencing this and, and a lot of times, you know, they have an alternate item for something that's already on the menu. Would it cause more problems, even if they had an alternate, I don't want to say an alternate menu, but if they're serving one dish and it requires an item and there aren't, there aren't any substitutes for that item, it seems to me like it may even be more prudent to take it a step further to ha even have kind of a backup menu, if you will, and, and, and plug that information in with your vendor to coordinate that with the vendor to say, if I can't, we can't serve this dish, then what else do you have and can we make that work with our program? Yeah, absolutely. It should, you should have alternate items on the menu. I mean, I, I mentioned, you know, I run our healthcare group. I mean, they, the, you know, the healthcare customers always have alternate items on their menu just to make sure that number one, they're offering choice, but two, in case they're, like you said, there is a, a, a shortage of something. So yeah, so, strongly suggest that. Uh, one of the things that's come up as a suggestion and, a, and, a, and it's kind of a neat, maybe it's a knee jerk reaction, but you know, the generic response has been order early, right? So that's, and, and I, I don't think it's as simple as that because I, and, and even in conjunction with that is increasing storage capacity. And that seems like it's a possibility as you guys have, you know, you guys have increased your inventory. That was a step that you took. And I'm thinking, I, I'm, it's fascinating to see that some of the things you have taken steps, you all have taken on the, on the distribution side are really some steps that, that camps could take as well, you know, increase inventory, you had alternate items. So those are two things that have emerged that I had here that kind of mirror some of the suggestions that camps could do. But my, my, I guess my concern would be is, is if you have them buying early or trying to increase storage capacity, which means they would be able to house more items, does that complicate issues for you all because they're actually ordering more? Does that make sense? Just as long as there's communication between the, the camp and the local representative, so that they're in the flow of what, you know, the forecasting is going to be. Absolutely. And, you know, for Cisco, I can't speak for other distributors, but, you know, I would recommend that if, if you're getting a delivery on Wednesday, you order it Monday afternoon because uh, the earlier to get in the allocation process, the better. Um, so absolutely. Uh, ordering early, like you said, it seems kind of simplistic, but it's important. Right. And that increasing st storage capacity, of course, there's a cost involved with that for camps. Some sure. Some may be able to do that, some not so much, but 
it seems to me like that would also be, you know, it's a multifaceted issue. So there's, there's not just a, you know, a one size fits all solution, but that may be an option to help if it can't could increase, you know, whether it's cold storage or, or dry storage, whatever, to help them, you know, mitigate some of those effects throughout their camp season, because camps, you know, a lot of them are seasonal and they, a lot of them can be fairly sizable, um, you know, consumers at over a very short right. period of time. So as long as they're, what, what I'm hearing is it goes back to that at the local level, that relationship with the vendor and making sure you're communicating, receiving the information from the vendor in a timely manner about expected shortages of a specific, from a specific producer, and then just make those adjustments ahead of the game instead of being reactive when you order it and you, food truck gets there and it's not on the truck. So. Yeah. You don't want to order off the truck anyway. You want to make right. sure you, know, you should be ordering for the, right. the, next, the next couple of days after that. So um, right. yeah, I think that's, I just think it's extremely important, Rich, to order early and, uh, and just the communication with the forecasting. I mean, bottom line is forecasting. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that comes into that risk. Um, I don't want to say risk mitigation, but you're, you're, man, you're managing risk and you can fit that into your risk managing toolbox, if you will, you know, as you're running whatever type of organization specifically for camps, you know, your food service is a major part of the success of your programs there. Um, so, you know, that this is going to be something that requires some intentional effort um, to help navigate a little bit better. Um, and, and again, you can't, I'm trying to be fair to the distributors here because it seems like the distributors have, you guys are the ones bringing the food. So you probably get screamed at the most <laughs> if, the, if the food doesn't show up. Yeah. But so many things involved before that food ever ends up in your warehouse or on a truck headed to, headed to a camp that, that can interrupt that process of the camp getting their food for their, for their guests for that particular week. So um, one other thing here on on a, maybe a mitigation strategy, and not to say to ration, but is is there is there tools or something that they can tap into to help them maybe better control portions? As in a lot of camps, do a different style. Some of them do cafeteria style. Some of them do a family dining style. You know, it just depends on um, how they're set up there with their program. But it seems to me like if you could maybe take some steps to eliminate waste or control those portions in specific categories, maybe that would help you, you know, mitigate some of those effects as well. Sure. Well, I mean, two things I would highly recommend is that, is that they have some type of, you know, menu system, a pro, you know, a program. And, you know, I actually, Victoria, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I know we've got camps using our generated uh, menu program called impact integrated menu planning and control system. Yes. Um, so I would definitely have them look at some type of menu system. And then, uh, for instance, with us, we have a, an inventory module with our order entry system, sheet to shelf. And, you know, that's certainly important to help reduce waste. Okay. Victoria, are we going to add anything to that? No, I was just going to say, I, I, those are good points. And I think, you know, uh, I hate to go back to communication, but it's really, uh, it goes back to that pre-planning, to that communication between the local rep. And, and the camp and um, uh, with a menu system, certainly uh, that's gonna help uh, reduce waste, help mitigate cost if you are pre-planning those ingredients, those items and helping us advise as to whether or not we've got sufficient inventory to fulfill those menu items and then being able to recommend alternative 
items uh, should we have a supply chain issue. And, you know, I was also thinking about the fact that, you know, in the same way that we plan emergency orders with our customers, uh, planning in advance any inventory that you might be able to keep on hand. And, and yes, that could go back to an increased capacity in terms of being able to store. Um, but if, if we had some items on hand that were, say, shelf stable, that should we have some supply chain disruptions with regular menu items, you could you know, fall back on, you know, that would be helpful as well. But uh, again, communication is the key in, in working together. And, and we as your partner uh, certainly want to work with the camps to ensure that we are able to provide those key ingredients for, uh, for those menus. Okay, great. Thank, thanks, Victoria. And, and I just want to also want to mention to, to the listeners too, if um, we're going to expand on this more uh, at the national conference, ACA, we're putting together a panel. So a lot of this, what I've discussed with Nick and Victoria throughout this interview, we're, we're going to, we're going to unpack it probably even a little bit more uh, specific to um, what Victoria just mentioned about that communication and plugging that in really to your, to your risk management toolkit, if you will, to try to help you run more efficiently and avoid or or mitigate some of those interruptions. So that that would be something we're gonna we're gonna look at at the ACA National Conference in, in a panel discussion. So I um and Nick or Victoria, is there anything else you all want to add to this? I, I certainly appreciate this has been very helpful and really it's it's opened or shed some light on specific to on the distribution side and that supply chain link about what you all are dealing with specific industries and, and how that how that uh, transfers over to customers specific in our situation with, with camps trying to get their food. So is there anything you all can think of that you could add to that? I would just like to say, um, and this piggybacks on uh, what you were talking about earlier with regards to ordering early. You know, oftentimes customers ask us, what, what can we do to help the situation? What can we do to help mitigate um, what we're dealing with right now in the supply chain issues. Getting the orders in early allows our folks to spend some time with those orders, to see what may have been ordered that isn't in inventory and gives, gives us time to respond with suggested alternatives, you know, uh, preferably ones that are contracted where we're helping to mitigate the cost of those substitute items. So, you know, giving a couple of days, and Nick mentioned this before, you know, ordering two days in advance, that gives us an opportunity to really work with our customers to make sure that we can fulfill those orders with the best items uh, and react if there are uh, supply chain issues with some of those items being ordered. Very good. That ordering early uh, is, is mutually beneficial, right? So it helps, yeah. it helps you all better serve them and it helps the camp, you know, avoid, avoid issues if they're not caught by surprise. So that's, that's a very important aspect of this, it seems to me. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah. go ahead, Nick, did you have something else? No, I was just going to say, I encourage all of your listeners to, um, you know, encourage anybody they know that's looking for a job to look in the food service industry, <laughs> either with suppliers or distributors, because uh, we all need good, hardworking individuals. So, Right. A absolutely. And food, uh, food makes us thrive, right? We, that's we, right. We, we've got to eat. And in, in our, uh, you know, we're not an agrarian society so we are service oriented you know society and it's uh we, we depend on food distributors whether we yeah. need to, to eat i mean we do yeah the country so yeah a absolutely well 
Well, Nick and Victoria, I, I, I thank you sincerely uh, for your time and, and helping educate uh, us, not only myself, but listeners in, in this very important topic. And like I said, our goal here is to, to help camps feel empowered to be able to navigate this a little bit better as opposed to being caught off guard so much. So this is a very valuable information and I sincerely thank both of you for your time today. Rich, thank you so much. Lauren, it's nice to meet you and thank you. And, and we thank your listeners for you know, the business and, and we also thank them for being out there and, and supporting whatever individuals are supporting. And if it's kid, if it's kids, if it's, um, you know, people with disabilities, whatever the case may be, or if it's just for an enjoyment. So that we appreciate the, yes. the, the work that they're doing out there every day. Thank you so All much. All right. Thank you. Lauren, it's, uh, we're going to turn it back over to you and let you, uh, let you close things out for us here. Thanks. All for right. Thank you so much. And thank you all for being here. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning into this special episode of the Camp Bar Podcast. If you'd like more information about Trinity HPSI or Cisco, we'll provide links and more information in the show notes. And be sure to subscribe to the Camp Bar Podcast if you have not done so already. Subscribing makes sure that every new episode appears in your podcast feed without having to do a single thing. And you can follow ACA at ACA Camps on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you prefer your social media. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.